chapter, I like the book of John, of course, because it talks about Jesus Christ. Jesus himself says over 20 times who he is in this chapter with the words, I am, a number of different things. But we'll start here in uh, oh, uh, John chapter 1, verse 19, and we'll start with the testimony of John the Baptist, who really proclaims who he is twice in this portion of Scripture. We'll read uh, 19 through 43, lots of verses. I might interrupt myself. I've got three or four messages outlined here, but the one I want to stick with in my mind is obedience brings direction. Number two, in verse 30, obedience brings discovery. And number three is verse 43, obedience brings destination. That's the primary uh, message for today, but uh, like the preacher says, I'm going to go whichever direction the Holy Spirit leads me here. Let's start out with the testimony of John the Baptist, where he tells you who he is twice, I am, and he declares who he's not. So let's see, and he's not the Messiah. They were, see, the apostles, the, apostles, the uh, uh, Hebrews of the time were coming together, and they thought possibly that John the Baptist, they knew he was a prophet of some kind. They knew he was a special man of God, but they didn't know to what realm. They thought maybe he was the Messiah, and he clarifies that right off. The testimony of John the Baptist, verse 19, John chapter 1, and this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elijah? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then saith, then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us, What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Isaiah, and that verse is found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, and in Isaiah 40, verse 3. And they which were sent of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptize thou then, if thou be not the Christ? nor Elijah, neither, the, neither that prophet. It's interesting to note here that Jesus Christ never baptized anyone, but they were already coming to their own personal conclusions of false conclusions in Scripture, stating that the Messiah would baptize people. And that's specifically why Jesus Christ did not baptize anyone, because that wasn't prophetic in nature. It was founded by the people, that the Levites, that were there to confuse the issues. He is, and John answered and said, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He is, he it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Barthaba, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world. John the Baptist, and that's our first point, 
it says, I've got in my notes, obedience brings direction. John Baptist was being tested here by the religious leaders of the day, and he was being challenged by them to verify who he was, what he was about, and the nature of his mission. John the Baptist himself uh, was a cousin to Jesus Christ, and if you recall earlier in Scripture, in the book of Matthew, we have John the Baptist's mother and the Virgin Mary at the time coming to each other and John the Baptist was in the womb of Mary Magdalene, I believe. No, it's not Magdalene. I checked with the author. <laughs> with uh, uh, John the Baptist's mother. And uh, she, uh, she said the babe left in his womb, left, leapt in her womb. And so John the Baptist was set out on a mission dedicated to God. He did not know specifically what his mission would involve, but he was obedient to God, and through that obedience, his mission was revealed. He became uh, known as a Nazarene, and he, a Nazarite, took the Nazarite vow, waited around in the wilderness, ate grasshoppers and locusts, is what they call them. All a locust is is a giant grasshopper, and honey, and he... Uh, did what the Lord told him to do. And he spoke up when tested, and he says, I am not, I am not. But he knew he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, making way for the prophet to come. The Bible says, by the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. That's old Hebrew law, and that's what we try to find even in a court of law today, more than one witness, and then it's established. John the Baptist was Jesus Christ's witness that the Messiah was coming. Jesus Christ was his witness, and the Word was his witness that he was the Messiah. In John chapter 1, just a couple verses before this chapter, before this portion of Scripture, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same in the beginning with God, all things were made by him, and without him, was not anything made that was made. In him life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended him not. That would be those that were testing. And then in verse 14, But the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus Christ came by two witnesses, the word and John the Baptist. Something that I don't believe John the Baptist totally understood, at least at this time in Scripture. But yet he was obedient to God, and God gave him direction and guidance under testing and worked in his life that he could withstand the, the rigors of the uh, noted lawyers, attorneys of the day. The Levites were noted for their priestly vows, but they were the most learned men in the community. Often they doubled as lawyers, and, and uh, they were sitting on tribal courts, something this community itself isn't familiar with, but Kowak is. This is he whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, and he was before me. So he was tested and asked, and if he would have said the right words, he could have been the leader of the day, but instead he pointed to Jesus Christ. 
Every one of us have an opportunity to point to Jesus Christ. He took that opportunity, and when he became obedient to God, it brought him discovery. He realized, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am come to baptize with water. John the Baptist came to prepare people with water baptism that they might repent from their attitude of sin, that if they stole from their neighbor, all they had to do was go get a couple turtle doves or an ox or a lamb, depending on how much fraud they committed, and have the blood shed, and it would cover their sins. That was their attitude on sin. Much like uh, different religions of the day, I uh, can think of the one I was raised up in. I came to the point one time where I was a young man standing in front of a candy store, and I says, man, if I take that bubble gum, all I got to do is say three Hail Marys, and I'll be over it. So I took it. To this day, I remember three Hail Marys didn't cover my guilt. I was told that, you know, we had to pay a penalty. John the Baptist was trying to get these people to look to the coming Messiah who would die on the cross for their sins. His blood would cover their sins. And if they accepted that person's death on the cross for their sins, the person that some of these very people that questioned John the Baptist would participate in crucifying, that if he, they believed that, if they trusted Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as their personal Savior, then they would have the right attitude about sin in their life. And they would have the attitude that, hey, I don't sin now because I know I can get away with it. I don't, I don't sin now because I'm glad somebody else paid the price for it. Jesus Christ died for me, and that's the reason I'm good today. That's the reason I stand before you today. That's the reason each one of us should worship him today. Whether we understand the whole story and its entirety and its perfection we probably won't till we get to heaven. All the peculiarities. I was talking to some individuals just before church about how the Holy Spirit is bound up in branches and all kinds of depictions in Scripture. We don't know everything there is to know about God's Word. We never will until we get there, and then it'll take years to figure it out. But we can trust in God's Word. We can trust in the simplicity of the cross. We can trust in the death of the Messiah that came, and we can have our sins removed just by that trust, not in shedding of blood on our own account, not in penance of our own account, but we can be made righteous through Christ, and we can receive direction in our lives. I don't understand everything in God's Word. I'm sure there's many people who don't, but as I endeavor to be obedient to God's Word, He gives me direction. As I, as I endeavor to Look into God's word. He gives me discovery. He shows me what's positive, what's negative in life. He shows me and reveals to me secrets that I don't even know of myself till I look into his word. James chapter 5 talks all about that. We looked at that a couple days ago. But God's word, as we endeavor to practice it, study it, become obedient to it, we receive direction. We receive discovery of what God wants us to do. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like an oh, And I saw him not that 
verse 31, and I saw him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water. Now, where we picked up, and John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it bowed on him. Who's him? His uh, cousin, Jesus Christ. And I know him, I knew him not, but that he sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me, Upon whom? Thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. The same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. If you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost. It's not through some rigors of speech. It's not through some uh, some comp, uh, accompaniment of something you do or come to uh, some kind of a goal you obtain, such as speaking in tongues. It comes to you at the Holy Spirit, not it. The Holy Spirit comes to you at salvation. And he dwells in your heart, and he intercedes on your behalf. And he helps you to discern sin. And he helps you to repent from different things. And that's uh, what the Holy Spirit's about. Again, thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. God the Father told John the Baptist that he would be be able to identify the Messiah by the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God, verse 34. Again the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and he looked upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, he received direction, he received discovery. And I looked upon Jesus as he walked and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. One of the places in Scripture where you see an explanation point. He didn't just say, Behold, the Lamb of God. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God. He was impressed. He became, he was enlightened. His spiritual conscience was taken care of. His discernment was recognized. His questions were answered. You have some holy men supposedly holy men come to you and ask you what you're all about, you do a lot of self-examination. President of the United States proclaims somebody as a white terrorist. There's a lot of examination. I've seen the film of that poor little boy, and a little boy is what he was, 17 years old. Hear the verdict, break down in tears, just collapse there in the courtroom as they said, not guilty, four times. He was relieved of that. But the self-examination, the doubt that comes upon you, that's why you see later in Scripture uh, John the Baptist actually having some doubt. You know, there's nothing wrong with doubting sometimes your position with Christ. There's not anything wrong with having doubts about your spirituality. The Bible is clear about that. If you stay in his word, he will give you the answers to those doubts, he will relieve you of those circumstances and those problems. But every one of us are subject to doubt in our lives. Every one of us are subject to depression in our lives. John the Baptist is evidence of that because later on in Scripture, he sends some men while he's suffering in prison, waiting to get his head cut off. And he asks him, are you the Messiah? Almost contradicting to what he is now, what he's saying now. But he was tormented, Locked up, isolated, didn't have a chance to even look at his word. God knows that if you stray from his word, if you don't fellowship with his kind, if you don't practice his word to the best of your ability, you're going to backslide. 
Backsliding is a term from Scripture. You're going to fall back in your spiritual walk. You might fall down. You might collapse. You might end up robbing a bank. I don't know. But if you stay steadfast in his word and strive to the best of your ability, and I'm not prescribing a great big thing that you have to accomplish other than maybe getting up on Sunday morning and going to church, other than cracking open God's word through the week and looking at scripture, you will have the answers to life's problems. It's all there in the book. It's all there in the book. And so you'll get direction, and you'll get discovery. Again, the next day, we're down to verse, Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? He's got John the Baptist's two disciples there in verse 37, heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? In those days, you, it's sort of like here in Alaska, you don't go to anybody's house much. Very personal place. People live in very personal ways. It's a little bit like in the, uh, downtown Chicago. You ask somebody where they live, if they give you even the direction in which they live, you know a lot about them. And so uh, they wanted to know all about Jesus. They took their... They took the spiritual leader, the true spiritual leader of the day, John the Baptist, who received more authority when they questioned his authority than he lost any authority because he kept right with God and he didn't deny Christ and he upheld Christ and he told them twice that he wasn't the Christ. Then Jesus turned and saw them and following him and said, Why seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt. We see the assistance to John the Baptist of the time, which became saints, well, saints, which became apostles later, that they had to trust their spiritual leadership, the spiritual leadership of one they knew. They had to trust God's word and what was revealed to them by spiritual leadership. And they had to come to their own conclusions about who to follow. And that was all obtained by their examination of Scripture and their obedience to what the Word said. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and said unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. He had his spiritual bell rung. He knew where he was going when he died. He accepted the Messiah as his Savior. And what's the first thing he done? He went and witnessed to his brother. One of the points of this message, and this is where I usually jump off in in another portion of Scripture, uh, uh, Andrew was actually the first soul winner we see of the apostles. He went and found someone he loved. Verse 135, uh, in this portion of Scripture, chapter 1, verse 35, he went and found his brother, right here we see, and he first findeth his own brother Simon, 
verse 41, that's where we, where we finish, and said unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted as a Christ. Then he went and found someone else as a friend, and that's in chapter 6, verse 8, and that's the boy with fishes. Then he found someone he didn't know, and those were strangers in chapter 12, verse 20. And he found all three of those individuals. The last group was a group of Gentiles in Scripture in, verse, in chapter 12, verse 20, of men that did not know Christ, but he sent them to Christ. So we have an example of three times in Scripture where Andrew leads someone else to Christ. First he takes his brother, then he takes the boy with two fishes in chapter 6, then he takes some Gentiles he did not know. And that involves uh, Christ asks three things from each one of us. He asks us to be saved. He asks us for service. And he asks us for sacrifice. It's one thing to ask a young child with some fish to come and see the Savior. But it's another thing to ask four or five complete strangers to come and see the Savior. It's an embarrassment sometimes because they're not always as cooperative as a young child. But he took and did all three. That's not the message. The message is being obedient to God's word and things are revealed unto him. He first findeth his own brother. Then he brought to him Jesus, and then when Jesus, I'm in verse 42, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So both he and his brother got to know Jesus Christ. And he received the new name written down in glory, and that name is Cephas. What's your name written in glory? What's your name? If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you've got a name written in glory. And here's an example of such. He reveals his new name. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and said unto him, Follow me. Now we see three people that have come to obedience to Jesus Christ. We see three people that have sought out the Savior. We see three people that have found direction, discovery, and a destination. That last part in my Bible, I got written in yellow, follow me. You know if you ask God and if you sincerely thought, thought, if you sincerely followed after him to the best of your ability, you know where you're going. Once you've accepted Jesus Christ as, the whole, as your Savior and the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you, you have that intercessor. Both You have two intercessors, actually, and I'm trying not to give away one of my favorite jokes, but you have two intercessors on your behalf, the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. And those two intercessors are going to procure and they've managed to save your destination in eternity. Where's your destination today? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you trusted in God's word for direction? Have you received the discovery of what the world's all about when you examine God's word? Let's all stand. Mrs. Anania, would you pray, play? The Lord's great. He promises us all kinds of things. Now, I've used and hit on salvation, but he gives us direction in everything we should do. 
I've stood at the crossroads in life many a times and trusted in God's word for my direction. That's why I'm here today. I've had brothers and sisters, both in Christ and my physical brothers, ask me, how did you get so far down the road? I says, I let God guide me. If you take your life and yield it over to God and let him give you direction and guidance, you'll be successful. <laughs>